the blood that Jesus said for me way back on
to the highest mountain. So if that's where you are, it's got you covered. It goes to the lowest valley. So if that's where you are, it's got you covered. Hallelujah. Today we're looking at 1 Timothy. My text was already read by Jeremy because he's a spiritual man. <laughs> I didn't tell him. I'm like, cool, you'll get to hear it twice. We're reading through the New Testament. And this Sunday captures the week coming. And the week coming is 1 Timothy 1 through 5. There are six chapters in that book. Today's message is about redemption. The business model at Christ Way can be seen from standing right back by the booth, looking at these banners, looking at those banners, and looking at that mural. The goals in this room are that people experience salvation and freedom. And salvation and freedom aren't the same. You can be saved but not free. You can be alive but crippled and broken. Those aren't the same. We want to move not just through saved and box checked and hallelujah, glory, etc., to are you free and are you then redeemed? And today's message is about redemption. Connected to Christ is what salvation is all about, acceptance and belonging. Connected to others is what freedom is all about because it is transparent and authentic and who you are and there is no shame in that banner. We lay aside not just the sin but the weight and the sin that trips us up. And then connected to purpose, the existential question, the exist question of why am I here? Someone asked me that on the phone this week. They were intoxicated while they were talking to me on that phone call. And they said to me, I just want to know why I've been put here. You don't get to do this out of order. <laughs> this is the order. We find him, he finds us, he gives us acceptance and belonging. And then we find community and then we make a difference. We are given redemption of our initial purpose, why he created us and to flow through us. And every single person here is here to hear this today. When you look at the mural in the back, you see eight steps of the path. The things that we value, Delia announced one of them. Discovery. I'm going to tell you why we do what we do. Why the calling here is the calling here. You're here already today. That's a step. But the mature place is not just to be here for you because you need something, but because you're here for someone else. That singing Arnick and I do, we sing that song when no one else is in the building and feel the same Jesus? Just the two of us. 
We can sit in here together and just start crying, singing and crying and smiling. We come in here for others and the community of faith and the body. We connect and we, we're missional and we give and we serve and we mentor someone else. That's the eight steps. The eighth step is a leadership step of mentoring. When you've walked through all those other spaces, you are then able to bring someone alongside. Today's message is entitled this, The Making of a Mentor. The making of a mentor. When you look at 1 Timothy, Paul's books are typically titled by the audience, the book of Romans to the church in Rome, the book of Ephesus to the church of the Ephesians, the, the people in Ephesus, Colossae, Philippi. That, but this is Timothy. So once again, it is a recipient, but it is a recipient with a twist. Paul's got this hand-in-glove effort, and he's trying to redirect and actually correct the Ephesians. This is, a, this is a book, a letter, written to redirect the Ephesian church, to correct and help the Ephesian church. But he writes it in a unique way, so it's to the Ephesians, but it's also about Timothy. He writes this letter so that the recipient, those men and women in Ephesus, will hear what Paul thinks of Timothy. It's like a, here's what I think of Timothy chapter. To bolster Timothy's authority in delivering this letter. So the letter could be the second book of Ephesians. But it's written to Timothy to take to them. But within the book, as you read it this week, you will hear Paul saying, Timothy is this. And Timothy has this going for him. And Timothy, don't forget what happened to you when hands were laid on you. Don't forget what happened when the Spirit moved in you. Don't forget those things. Remember, as we did this morning with communion, the power of anchoring, the power of remembering. Paul opens, interestingly enough, in chapter 1 with this little human interest bit about himself. I want to look at verse 12. I'm reading out of the NIV. Chapter 1, verse 12, Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who's given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Hey, friend, you ready? Just want the punchline? And then maybe you can be the first one to the food truck. Everyone in here is appointed to serve him. To serve him. Not out of compulsion. Not out of a heavy hand. But today, if I can deliver what's on my heart, it is because of the patience of Jesus. Drawn to serve him because of the patience of Jesus. Appointing me to his service. Even though I once was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. I believe people were responding to that today in your own life. If you clapped, if you stood, if you sat, if you smiled, if you sang, if you opened your hands, raised your hands, there was some connection in there that is like this. The grace of the Lord was poured out on me abundantly. And when that becomes personal, things happen in us. <laughs> and we do things. And we sing. 
and we smile. Along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, verse 15. This is what Jeremy read this morning. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Ready for this? you got to accept the whole thing, and it's trustworthy. Are we ready? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Paul identifies himself as the worst. And then he says, verse 16, but for that very reason, what reason? The fact that I was the worst. The fact that I was the chief among sinners. For that very reason. For that very reason I was shown mercy. See, we feel like, I know we feel like that way. You're shown mercy when you do pretty good. But when you're just a train wreck, but really, you know what mercy is? When you're a train wreck. What God showed to us in our brokenness was something we don't deserve, which means it was mercy. For that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, would you say those last two words with me? So that in me, in me, Paul says, in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example, the making of a mentor. The making of a mentor right here. Christ Jesus, because I'm the worst of sinners, in me, he displays his immense patience as an example. As an example for who? For those who would believe in him. For this room of people. You see, salvation happens at faith. Salvation happens in the belief of who he is and what he's done. And it is counted to us as righteousness. Just like Abraham, it's counted to us as righteousness and innocence in that moment. We're believing, but there's something else. I don't know, maybe Paul had some banners in his church. I don't know. Maybe they had a little camel terrain. Everybody had a banner. I don't know. But there's salvation, there's freedom, and there's redemption. And he says, Christ Jesus displays his patience as an example for others through me. The making of a mentor. An example for others through me. Everyone in here is called to be an example for others. Christ through me, through you. One translation says his immense patience, which we just read in the Greek text, says perfect patience. The making of a mentor. That's what struck me this week as I read chapter one. Okay, Jesus loves me. I get it. He saved me. Okay, fine. Thanks. Great. Thank you. Great. But is he willing to invest in me? Is he willing to make anything out of my life? A lot of times we drag ourselves into the room and we're like, you know, You're lucky I'm here. I get it. I get it. But as I say in the addiction classes, we're not just going for sober. We're going for healthy. We're not just going for sweeping your sorry behind right in the gate and barely make it. We're talking about a hope 
of Christ where there is fulfillment because His patience lives in me. It is a model. I become a mentor. I become a mentor. A mentor of what? His work in my life to encourage you. To be an example. Which doesn't happen until you have freedom. Because if I'm wearing a jacket and I'm covering myself up because I have shame, I'm covering things in my life because I'm ashamed of them. First of all, that's not free. And that's not the example we want to follow. We want to see someone that is accepted in Christ and free because of who he says I am. Okay, I got some news for you. Ready? I'm not innocent. Is that a shocker? Does anyone need medical attention or anything like that? I'm not innocent, but he says I'm innocent. What's my favorite verse? Some of you know, Romans 8, 33. Who shall bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? Because it is God who justifies. You know who justifies me? Not you and not me. It is God who justifies. And not this book. I can come up against this book and I am found wanting. The entire Old Testament exists to let me know that I couldn't get it done. I am insufficient. I couldn't figure it out. Peter said, neither we nor our fathers were able to figure this out or do it. I stand against this book and I am found wanting, but he says, he says I'm innocent. And you can't bring a charge against me, and I can't bring a charge against me. And when I walk in that place, I can come in here just like this. I don't have to be like Adam and Eve. I don't have to realize I'm naked and go hide. I don't have to realize I've sinned and failed and go hide. I don't have to try to cover up. I don't have to do that. I can stand and walk in his truth. Walk in who he says I am. This passage, 15 and 16, in the message, here's a word you can take to heart and depend on. Throw that up there for me, please. Here's a word you can take to heart and depend on. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. I'm proof. <laughs> Public center number one of someone who could never have made it apart from sheer mercy. And let me just say right here, there's something super freeing in that. Step one of the 12 steps of AA. Step one says, I'm, I'm powerless. My life is unmanageable. A lot of times people get in that space, and, and, and Dana's often said people don't even hop off that space. They just stay having trouble with their life being unmanageable and their life being powerless. If you've ever used drugs, if you've ever used sex, if you've ever used eating or shopping, religion, or whatever, if you've ever used anything to cope with a moment in your life that was unmanageable, welcome. Welcome. You've already been here. You've already done it. We just used the wrong drug. We used the wrong God. 
We needed acceptance. We needed belonging. We needed community. We just used the wrong God. I'm not interested in sin. It's just fruit on a tree. It's fruit on the tree of the wrong God. Just get the right God. Get the one that cares. Get the one that has patience. The one that will invest and invest and invest and invest. The one that is long-suffering. Not just for my salvation, but the one that is long-suffering for my redemption. For my purpose. A lot of us, even as hard as it is to come in and receive salvation, which is the easiest thing. The hardest thing about salvation is how easy it is. That's the hardest part of salvation, is that I simply say, yes, I'm a mess. I need a Savior. You're the Savior. Yes. That's the hardest part. That is the hardest part of the whole thing. Never made it apart from sheer mercy. And now, this is redemption. This is the making of a mentor. Now he shows me off. He shows me off. My life is redeemed. He uses me to help others. He uses me. Can you believe it? You're called to be used as an example. Jesus wants to make an example out of you. But I think in the old school, I'm about to make an example out of you, was not what we wanted. But Jesus flips it on his head, doesn't he? He said, Andy, I'm about to make an example out of you, son. Friend, today, everyone here today, come on, categorize those mess-ups. Write the list. Fill the wall. Put them on the banner. Big as Dallas. All the mess-ups. All the brokenness. All the shortcomings. Put them on there. Because through his grace and mercy, do you know what he's calling us to be? A mentor. Wants to use us. As an example. That's what strikes me when I read that this week. Jesus, with this immense and perfect patience, wants to use you as an example. A way that connects with somebody. An experience. And if you're not showing your heart and your life and your experience, you're missing the opportunity. You are, you ready for this? You're squandering an opportunity. You're squandering an opportunity to be, to be open. Because someone will look at you and say, well, praise the Lord, brother. You did that? That was you? You're the one that held the coats when they stoned Stephen? That was you? You're the one that believed that? You're the one that believed the kingdom came this way? You're the one that did those things? That was you? We all talk about having about 15 seconds of video that we don't want anybody to see. But when you show them and you're redeemed, it brings them hope. That's the making of a mentor. Old school, I would hear people say, you don't want to glorify sin. Friend, I am not glorifying sin. We are not doing shots at Charlie's right now. I'm in a pulpit with a microphone Singing, the blood will never lose its power. Not sure how you messed that one up. <laughs> We're talking about his redemption. We're talking about how the highest mountain, the lowest valley, he reaches to those places. Amen. Evidence shows me off. Throw that back up there, will you please? 
shows me off evidence of his endless patience. Now, here, here's what I'm preaching to those who are right on the edge. Hey, for those of y'all that are right on the edge, you're my target. You're his target. He wants you to believe that he believes in you. He wants you to believe that he believes in you. He wants you to believe that he believes in you and all the reasons that you might be cataloging right now as to why it would be a deal breaker, he's going to say, but I have immense patience. Immense patience. I'm going to make an example out of you. You're not just going to be one of my saved children. I'm making a mentor. This isn't Paul just saying that my life shows that Jesus can save sinners. Clearly that would be something. It's a message that my life shows that Jesus can use you truly and wonderfully and mightily. Jesus can use you. And your, your comment to that is, yeah, but I'm the chiefest of sinners. <laughs> yeah. Qualifies you. You see, being broken doesn't disqualify you in this kingdom. Being a sinner doesn't disqualify you in this kingdom. Failing God doesn't disqualify you in this kingdom. If it does, you've got the wrong God. Broken here is where his light shines through. Cracked vessels is where he's seen and shines. When I speak to some, one of the greatest compliments I ever received, I was in Dallas, Texas, preaching over a 4th of July weekend, a freedom weekend, kind of a mini old school revival thing that I was doing down there in Dallas. And apparently a woman in the crowd was named Melinda Smith. And she contacted, through the miracle of social media, this Melinda Smith. And somehow they got to talking back and forth, some conversation about that. And the Texas Melinda Smith asked this Melinda Smith, is your husband the honest sinner preacher? And Melinda told me that. And I said, that's the coolest thing anybody's ever said about me. The honest sinner preacher. I'm not interested in giving you my highlight reel, and I have one. I have a highlight reel. I can tell you stories of miracles. I can tell you stories the Lord has spoken to me. I can tell you the stories the Lord Stopped me just as he stopped Paul going into Bithynia and called me somewhere else. I got stories, friend. But you know what? I'm not just giving you the highlight reel. I'm giving you the whole thing. Because that is where your faith is built. That is where your faith is built. I've told this story recently. But when I was a youth pastor at a pretty good-sized church, and I had about 100 kids in our youth group, Melinda and I were in our 30s, and we were youth pastoring. And I went to the pastor one day, and I knocked on his door. I said, hey, man. He goes, hey, what's up, man? I said, hey, could you, you get any minutes? Like, can you come to our Friday youth thing? Kind of like tonight when the teenagers get together, the students get together, 5 o'clock here. Kind of like that. I said, could, could you come to that thing? It was Friday evening at 7. He said, what do you mean to do? I said, I don't even need you for a long time. Just a quick, just a quick minute. If you could just come in and tell the kids that you screw up too. 
That's all I need today. I just need you to come in and tell him that you mess up also. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, because you're big as Dallas in the pulpit. You're seven feet tall, 400 pounds. You're this massive man of God in the pulpit. And there is a disconnect with our kids. Because they look up here and they see what they think you are all the time. And they self-select out. They can't read that. They can't be this. I don't tell those stories to glorify sin. I tell them to give you hope. I tell them because God has called me to be a mentor. God has made me to be a mentor. To tell someone, I get the struggle. I get it. And look at what he's done. And look at the life he's given. And look at what he's brought us out. And when I continue to struggle, he's still there. It's proof that from the worst of sinners, Jesus can reconnect you right now. Around the recovery classroom, I occasionally say to people, I wish you believed in you as much as we believe in you. I say that to people occasionally. They're struggling. They're struggling with identity. They're struggling with esteem, which is estimation. They're struggling with sense of purpose. And I just look at them and I say, I wish you could believe in you as much as we believe in you. Because we believe in you. We have faith because we've journeyed this. We have faith because we know where he's brought us from. Your struggle, I get it. I just had a different drug of choice. It's not the drug of choice. It's that you're looking to the wrong God. And Jesus is here to say, I love you. I'm believing in you, and you can count on me being patient with you. Sometimes in our history, we get that God loves us as long as. His love is unconditional, not contingent. Love me as long as. He loves me. He works with me. He helps me. He helps me help you. I mean, who doesn't want acceptance? Who doesn't want belonging and community? And who, who doesn't want to answer the question like, why am I actually here? You know what? I was super successful. I looked great. And I was empty. I tell the students in the classroom, the addiction classroom, the, the, the SUD classroom, like, you got six years, I got six figures. I got promotion, you got probation. But I wasn't healthy. The drug that I chose was ambition and work and drive and drive and drive. I wasn't healthy. We're not going for sober. We're going for healthy. We're not going for saved. We're going for life to the full. And that's because Jesus promised it. He said, I give you life and then what? Life more abundantly. He is calling every single one of us every single one of us, into that space of life to the full. May 6, 1954. Roger Bannister breaks the four-minute mile. 46 days later, he and another guy broke it again. 
Do you know how long they ran and didn't break the four-minute mile? How many years, decades, even centuries did not break a four-minute mile? May 6, 1954, Roger Bannister breaks it by like six-tenths of a second. Six-tenths of a second. And do you know what that did? Open the doors. Woo! I'm trying to open the doors today. I'm trying to open the doors for you. Paul was trying to do that. I'm trying to do that. Open the doors. 46 days later, 46 days later, John Landry broke the four-minute mile alongside Roger Bannister. Within one year of that, one year, three people did it in the same race. 1,700 people have done it worldwide, and just this year, January of 22, 19 runners broke it for the first time. This year, 19, in just one month. It's the standard. If you're a runner, a four-minute mile is the standard. Whereas before, it used to be this untouchable, impossible, unbelievable thing until one person did it. And when one person does it, thank you, Paul. When one person does it, it opens a door for everybody else. He did it. He said, I am the chief sinner. And look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Paul says, I am the one man who broke through, and I'm no different than you. And in fact, I'm worse, he says. So my question is, can you begin to believe? Can you begin to believe? Pastor Arnett, come on up, bub. I began to think about this in this, this morning, and I felt the Holy Spirit while I was talking and thinking this. So I'm going I'm to share with you. You know, Paul wasn't in the gutter. Paul was not in the gutter. He was expertly religious. He was a leader. He received accolades. He was respected. But he had a misdirected purpose. According to Philippians chapter 3, it says Paul was the chiefest of sinners, this chiefest of sinners. According to Philippians 3, he says, I'm blameless and faultless concerning the law. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? I get it when my life is racked with addiction and brokenness and adultery and lying and stealing and cheating. Get that. That's the gutter. I got that part. Paul wasn't in the gutter. He was a leader. He was respected. A community standard. And he said, when it came to the law, when I said, when he said, I'm like, are you having a moment, Paul? You just said you were chief, chief of sinners. And yet, in Philippians 3, you say, you never broke the law. Concerning the law, you're blessed and faultless. Can you help us with that? You see, if you know the story... Paul thought he was going to bring the kingdom a particular way. 
And that wasn't the way of Jesus. Can I invite you into a space today? Can I invite you into a space where you will begin to believe that, number one, Jesus wants to make you a mentor. And it just might happen a different way than you think. It just might be coming a particular way where religion isn't going to do it. And discipline isn't going to do it. And commitment isn't going to actually do it. And how well I obey the law and I don't, you know, sex, drugs, alcohol, tobacco, rock and roll, none of that for me, thank you, isn't going to do it. Those aren't the things that show his grace. People don't need a mentor that never gets it wrong. They need a mentor that has compassion. And the only way you have compassion is to suffer with. And when you suffer with, and you walk with him, he redeems those moments. May his favor, what is the words there? What's, what is that? You. May faith upon you. A thousand generations. Your family. Your family, your children, your, their children, their children. May his presence go before you. Behind you and beside you. All around you. He is with 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 you. He's with you. Jesus' patience is not just about salvation. It is also about redemption. Not just patience to save us, but patience once we become his kid to work with us. I'm not saying I have knucklehead children. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying, son. But being a parent, a good one, requires a little Oh, someone over here said a lot. Sister, Sister Smith said a lot. <laughs> Requires patience. And if my parents were here, they would say that too. I'm the youngest of four boys. They would say amen. Sister Cornfloss, can I get a witness? Patience. He loves you, but not just to save you. Because he loves others that you can help that you can come alongside and reveal your story. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. And because he's for you, he's for others. He is for you being that light to others. He's for you. He is for you. And then we have to say, Amen. 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 Sometimes when I pray, I say amen. And sometimes I say, let it be so. Can I get a witness? Amen. See, that's what I'm talking about, right? That's what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> amen.
You're like, I believe it. Amen. Let it be so. Let it be so for who? Let it be so for, let it be so for me. You don't have to shout it out, but can you say it? Amen. Amen. Let it be so for me. Let it be so for me that he has patience for me, and I'm going to let him have patience for me, and I'm going to let him work in me to work for someone else. Amen. Let's just sing this chorus of amen. Ready? You got that? Just this chorus. And then Pauline, you can come in. Right in this space. That's the making of a mentor right here, right now. Right now, right now. feel shame. Abraham, the father of faith, he doubted God. He did. I would too. I'm 80. You give me a baby? Oh, come on. I doubted. One year, two years, three years, I'm still not pregnant. No, not me. My, my wife is still not pregnant. I'm doubting. Did I hear it wrong? Did I feel it wrong? Is the enemy telling me all this? But what did he do? Roman said. He continued to believe. He continued to believe. Today, Andy, wow. I mean, he's really amazing. He used 40 minutes to tell us our whole spiritual life from the point when we became Christian 
until we die and go to heaven. 40 minutes. It takes me 40 years, but he's good. He's better than me. I have to say that. We believe in Jesus. Do we believe in Jesus? Do we really, really, really believe in Jesus? Or halfway through, we decided that, you know what? I have a better deal now. Maybe it's Jesus who is guiding me into this opportunity. Maybe. So I started to give up what I was thinking and stop stepping into that space and do my own Lord again. Do you know being, being such a doubter sometimes has ruined our life? Mentoring is very important. Like Andy said, you don't want to have a mentor who tell you that I feel for you and understand you, but I have never been there. You want somebody to tell you that it's hard to quit smoking, but let me help you. So today, no matter where you are at, who you are, what will you becoming, what kind of pain you are in right now, physically, phys um, psychologically, me, mentally, no. God never make mistakes without that pain. You cannot work for Him. You are on job training now. Help yourself. Go to Jesus today. No matter where you are, what you are. Help yourself. Help, help, help. Yourself. And do not be ashamed of what you are going through right now. Never, never be ashamed. You are being put there for a reason. Find that reason. And move on. So let's pray. And be strong and be courageous. Not relying on your own power. But in Jesus' blood. Jesus' blood. Let's pray. Oh, dear Lord. How much you love us. How much patience you have in us. You are waiting for us to grow up. You are waiting for us to be self-sufficient. You are waiting for us to become somebody's help. So help us to the Lord. Whatever we are feeling right now, bind Satan for their false accusation. Bind by my pride, my ambition, my weakness. Do not tell us, do not tell ourselves that we are not worth of anything. We do not have any purpose in our life. Yes, we do, Lord. We do. You put us here. So help us, Lord, this week to come closer to you. To grab on Jesus' blood and run, Father. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.